I literally saw when Justin was speaking, I saw sons and daughters being anointed for everyone. I saw families that have wayward children coming back to Christ Jesus. I saw families who kids were in church but weren't on fire getting anointed. And we have to believe this, and we have to go after it. We have to be a living testimony for our children. So we are called into a purpose and a destiny. If we believe that's on our children and not on us, you've missed the whole purpose of why you're on earth. You see, you're not on earth for yourself. You've been chosen by God, and you chose to be chosen. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have chosen to be chosen by Him. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is the time, right now. You agree in your heart right now and ask Christ Jesus into your life. It's literally believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you will be saved. That's how quickly it is. If anyone's watching online, it doesn't know Christ Jesus, this is the moment, this is the time that all eternity has been waiting for. If you know Christ Jesus, you have a purpose and a destiny, and it's not for you. It's for him and the ones around you. I used to think that I had my purpose in life was me. Then I got married. And if I carried that thought pattern into my marriage, I wouldn't probably be married for long. Most divorces or bad marriages happen because of selfishness. They start to believe their purpose is for themselves. No, no. When you go into a covenant, the purpose is now to fulfill the covenant. Continue in a covenant. It's a covenant of marriage, relationship, friendships, whatever that looks like. When I got married, my purpose wasn't for me, it was for us. When we started having babies, my purpose wasn't just for us, it was for them. When we build a ministry, my purpose was not for me, it was for you. My purpose in life is not for myself, my purpose in life is for you. It's a humbling thought, but the reality is because I'll sit back, I'll say, Lord, I'm just a missionary kid, grew up in South America. How can we be in this position? How can we have a 100 churches and ministries around the world? How can we be leading this group right here? A lot of times he doesn't answer me. I've cried out many, many times, really, Lord? Are you sure? He doesn't answer me. But I know that I know that I know. Your purpose is not for you. Your purpose is for someone around you. Your purpose is for that unsaved person at work. Your purpose is to be a living testimony for Jesus Christ. Your purpose, as my son said, is to walk in joy, in blessing, and in happiness. Amen? Uh, I wanted to just clarify, in honor, Justin showed me what the Lord had given him. His print on the phone was so small, it's hard for me to read the whole thing. So I said, that doesn't sound quite right. You should add don't in front. That's why I'm very, very quick to admit and realize if I've made a mistake. And as soon as he said it, I went, oh, no. I was wrong. That's why I walked back up here and said, no, take don't back out. <laughs> Listen to God right now, not your dad. <laughs> 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 
Because if you know what God is doing, you'll probably get in the way of the Holy Spirit. Because our destiny is not to know what God's doing. Our destiny is to be what God's doing. If, if you let knowledge get in the way, you create religion. If you let knowledge get in the way, you create your own theology and your own religion, religious perspective. And I think in this moment in time, we need to not know what God's going to do. We need to come here on a Sunday morning and say, you know what, we're going to come with a plan subject to him changing it all. Every Sunday we come, we come with a plan, we come prepared, subject to Holy Spirit, to Father Almighty changing whichever direction we go. Amen? So good word, son. We sang when you live in captivity. What well, sang about living in captivity? I wrote, we sang, if you live in captivity, you'll have fear, shame, and pain. When you live in freedom, fear, shame, and pain will be for a moment, but never a lifestyle. In captivity, you're held captive. And usually captives are held in captivity through fear. Whether it's you're going to die if you disobey, you're going to get beaten if you disobey, um, you're going to get fined if you disobey. We just went through a fear-driven season. Now, I'm not saying that the virus wasn't bad. It is a bad, very bad virus. What I'm saying is we were driven and controlled with fear. So we were actually put into captivity, if you really think about it. But whether you're actually in captivity, subject to the things around you, is literally a choice between you and the Lord. You can be locked down you can be in jail. You could be in prison. You could pay fines. But are you really in captivity or do you have an opportunity to evangelize? Could you get locked into prison, into captivity, worship and rejoice in such a way that the jail shakes, an angel shows up, and the doors go flying open, the chains are broken, and the guy that's keeping you in captivity has such an encounter with the presence of God, he gets saved, and his whole house. <laughs> captivity is a mindset. Freedom is a mindset. The freedom through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has nothing to do with what country you live in or the laws of the land. Freedom through Christ Jesus walking in power and authority of his name, literally wherever you are is to break open the jail cells, is to destroy the chains, is to allow you and I to walk in such a level of the testimony of Jesus Christ when everyone else is living depressed in pain because of captivity, you and I are destined to be rejoicing and singing and celebrating with the joy of the Lord. Because guess what? The Christian walk isn't the gravy train to the world. 
When you chose to walk as a Christian, it wasn't all of a sudden everything was going to be easy. When you choose to be bound with Christ Jesus, you'd look at his life and his ministry and how he walked on this earth. He wasn't, he wasn't accepted by everybody. He really wasn't. But I'll tell you what, he's the most written about individual in history. Even the ones that disagree and write their own books still mention him in the book. <laughs> Think about it. There's two ways you can try to explain God. One, he is the all-powerful, the almighty. His son is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Or two, he's just a prophet. He was just a good man. Either way, they're talking about Jesus. They're talking about the Christ. They're talking about truth. They might have a twist of lie on it. He was a good prophet. Many are still looking for the Son of God to come. And let me tell you what. Stop looking. Because he already came. Now he's knocking. Now he's ringing ring. He's ringing ring, that ring button, you know? Ring. The video, hi, I want to come in. And you're sitting in your house watching the video doorbell. Who is that? Who is that? I don't know about that person at the door. Doesn't quite look like I thought he was going to look like. Isn't that just the carpenter's son? Well, guess what? I make no promotional for ring. I don't have one. <laughs> but I do promote that he's knocking on the door. And we think that once we open the door, that we only have one door. <laughs> really? If you only got one door, I'm impressed because my house has a lot of doors. And he might be knocking on your front door, and you let him in years ago. But you let him into your bedroom, your office, your bathroom, your kids' rooms. What doors have you let him in? Because I'll tell you what. Today's a day of opening doors. Because there ain't nothing hidden from God. You think a door... In your house is going to hide you from him? Uh-uh. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't, yeah, doesn't work that way. Oh, yeah. My pregnant daughter's coming up to play the piano. I didn't even know you played the piano, babe. She says, me neither. Okay. Whew. Keep it low. Let's hear how it goes. And no. <laughs> Come on, Jeff, yeah. Because Samantha 
is down doing children's ministry. So the pregnant one. You see, in our marriage, in our family, we opened all the doors. Matter of fact, we opened every kid's door when they were growing up to the presence of God. I said, there is no way I'm to experience what I'm experiencing just for me. Matter of fact, that's why our kids went with us everywhere. You can ask them. When we sailed out of Vancouver on a sailboat in 1996, we called the ministry, we called it Windward. We thought a wayward, but we chose Windward. <laughs> and it's a play on words, because in the nautical terminology, the windward side, W-A-R-D, is the side the wind is blowing on. The leeward side is the side the wind is leaving from. And so I knew that we needed to be on the windward side, the wind of the spirit side, the wind of his presence side. And so we called it wind, W-O-R-D, word. His word and his spirit, his word and his presence. Because I grew up fifth generation of ministers or missionaries and I knew the word, but I didn't always understand his presence. That's why if you think you know God, then you actually put a cap on the ability of the Holy Spirit to show you more. I know God as my Father, who is in heaven. And he is, his name is Hallowed. And holy, holy, holy is his name. And when I came out of seminary, I thought I knew all about God. I didn't have a church at the time. Had no sheep. I thought I knew all about God. Matter of fact, you would have been in some heavy, heated debates on my understanding. there's a story when the young seminary student or the young person says thank you God I'm going to change the world and then halfway through life that same person says God just help me change my family And later in life, that same person cries out. They say, God, God, help me change me. I ask today that we cry out. First, help me change me, God. You want to change your family? The only way you can do it is by changing you first. And I thank the Lord I came to that understanding before we had children. That I needed changing and 
I came to that understanding even today, this morning before ministry. Continually change me, oh God. You are my strong tower. But continually change me. I can't be the same yesterday, today, forever. Thank goodness. But God can, and He is. And so as we sit here this morning in a Sunday morning service that just went through amazing moments of worship, our kids hanging out downstairs, us bigger people supposed to know what's going on supposed to have it all figured out supposed to have figured out God already well let me tell you if you know what God is doing or going to do get out of the way don't let your understanding of revival of what you think it should be take you out of a fresh revival today of what God knows it needs to be if you're all knowing I've got it figured out I've got life figured out then unfigure it and admit and say you know what I'm not all knowing I don't need to be I don't have life fully figured out. I don't have life figured out. I know some fundamental principles that I'm committed to God for life and life everlasting. I'm committed to my wife for life until death do us part. She's tried to kill me a couple times, but I figured it out. <laughs> Committed to my family, my children, sons and daughters, in-laws, by birth, same thing. I'm committed to grandbabies. I'm committed to Kevin and Dawn. I'm committed to many people in this church. I'm committed to the ministry of Windward. My life is not my own. I actually freely give it away. I've sat in front of a pistol stuck on my forehead. And he pulled the trigger four times and it misfired four times. My life is not my own. I was captured in southern Sudan, held by six armed gunmen. Until something heavenly walked in and released me and walked me right past them. And whatever it was, he looked like a man dressed in different clothes. But he had the ability to freeze them. They just all froze. They didn't move. And he just said, come, Brent, let's go. And the two pastors that were held also captive by two armed gunmen, as we walked by them, those two armed gunmen were frozen. And the pastors were looking at them and looking at me. I said, come, come, this guy's leading us out. This guy's come to rescue us. Puts us back in the car. Says, thank you for coming to Southern Sudan. 
See, I'm not my own. We, we think there's a supernatural world. Well, don't just think it. You better believe it. The book talks a lot about it. Matter of fact, 33 out of the 66 books of the Bible have angelic encounters in it. It's quite interesting. And pretty much 50% of the word has some form of an angelic encounter in the book. See, we're in a supernatural world. There's light and there's darkness. Sitting on the fence doesn't work. That's biblical. You're either for me, says the Lord, or you're against me. Lukewarm, you're against me. For me is on fire. For me is every sacrifice has been consumed and burnt up. So you are not your own either. Unless you'd rather be self more than a son or a daughter of God. I tell you what, I'm looking at world changers. We have world changers in training downstairs. See, we seem to get more excited sometimes about the kids in training than ourselves. It's almost kind of like a bit of a hopeless type reaction that we haven't done as well in our lives, so we're really going to expect them to do better. <laughs> we're not really fully in revival, so we're going to expect them to be in revival. That doesn't work that way, people. They might, but if you're not, you're left behind. If my wife and I aren't testimonies for our children, they've missed the whole purpose of being a Christian parent. If we're not taking them into areas where they can see the Spirit of the Lord working and operating, we're missing it. We want our young people to go pray for someone, being all excited when they lay hands on somebody at the mall. We feel so proud. I want to tell you something. They should be doing it out of example from you and me. That's really what it should be. I know we're all, some of us are a little bit old school. I get it. But that's not an excuse. There's revival in the air. His spirit is being poured out on all flesh. His sons and daughters are prophesying. His older people are dreaming dreams. We may not be able to do what our sons and daughters can do, but we better do what we're called to do. And that's be fire. That's walk in power. That's walk in faith that moves mountains. Can you imagine if Sharon, when you and I had given up our businesses, sold everything, bought this sailboat, all because I had an encounter with the voice of the Lord in 1989. Seven years of preparation we poured in. And Justin was four months old. Samantha 
downstairs was not quite two. And this one was still, sperm and egg hadn't met yet. But he still knew her. Imagine if we had sat down and constantly shared to our children the problems that we were feeling. The lack of money, the lack of finances, the first night out, 75 to 80 knots of wind in the Pacific Ocean and we're out there on a 40 foot sailboat. The waves were almost double the height of this roof. And there we are, sailing off into the romantic sunset. Samantha throwing up in a bucket. Justin was breastfeeding at the time, so Sharon was on gravel, so he was sleeping. I'm out there tied to the sailboat five and a half days, nonstop. San Francisco, Vancouver to Frisco, or Victoria to Frisco. Seven boats lost in that storm around us. One commercial fishing boat from Oregon lost. All lives lost. And here we are. Woo, woo, yippee, yay. Oh no. I got into San Francisco, five and a half days of no sleep. Well, I would sleep for 15 minutes, I had a little timer. But I had to wake up every 15 minutes to look for freighters, so they didn't run us over. One freighter, second night out. Is that a bleep? I'm not supposed to swear on the radio, but he did. Is that a bleep sailboat out here? Yeah, this is the sailing vessel Angelos. We named it Angelos because it means messenger. We're the sailing vessel Angelos out of Vancouver. What the bleep bleep are you doing out here? How many crew do you have? Oh, I got my wife, my not quite two-year-old, my four-month-old. Over. He had a few more choice words to say because they were hove too at this point in time. The waves were so big, they could no longer go make their way towards Alaska. Because the waves are so big, if the bow and the stern of a freighter get into waves and the trough, the thing collapses. So they're hove too, riding it out, rolling around. And here we come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're on a mission from God. after the presence of the Lord. You go after his word. You accept his favor in your life. And you're going to find that your life is not your own. That your life is for a purpose and a destiny bigger and greater than you could ever imagine because that's what you're called for you're a son a princess of a king 
That's what you are. That's your call. That's your destiny. And when we gather together like this, we're walking in unity in his kingdom. And in his kingdom is his presence. The altar of his glory. The presence of the great I am. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning from the end, the east from the west. Twenty twenty three. had a greater thinning I want to say the veil the veil was already torn but there's a thinning of something that's holding his presence and the only way we cannot experience his presence by your choice or mine. I pray that we are a ministry that chooses his presence, that chooses his glory. To know that we have a purpose and we have a destiny. To know that revival is in this house. To know that an awakening is happening here. To know that a pouring out of the Spirit is here. To know that we don't need to know what it will look like. But we need to jump in. Both feet. Into His presence. Because if we don't, we will not become what we're destined for. This word, I believe, is for you and for me. Because in reality, you are his everything. In reality, you are created in his image. Some of you are the better looking side than the others, but that's okay. You're still in his image. Just kidding. You do have a purpose. And it's not your purpose, it's his. You do have a destiny. You do have power and authority if you carry his name. Let's all stand. I haven't even got to my notes, but I think we're good. I'm going to read one scripture, make it a legitimate service. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Luke 2, verse 52. My primary verse for today. And Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and men. 
This is when he was about 12 years old in the temple. I'm going to change this. And you, with Christ Jesus in you, you are to increase in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. You see, this is your destinies. The word increase in wisdom. Christ Jesus is the man of wisdom. And word increase in favor from God himself. And every one of us in this place have favor already on their life. Believe me, I, I go to some pretty poor countries. The favor that we're talking about is not just wealth. The favor we're talking about is his presence. It's his glory. It's his word. It's his own understanding in us. I see so much favor in some lives of some of the Christians I work with in some of the most, most, uh, most remote areas of the world. Their little hut, dirt floors, kids don't have shoes, they don't have money for it. And they, they have me sleep in their little house. It's, I don't know, it's this size from the wall to here to here. It's like one little hut with palm leaf roof or banana leaf roof. One little bed. And they give me the bed while he and his wife and seven kids sleep on the dirt floor. They have favor. They have blessings of God. The kids love Jesus. You and I, how much more, how much more opportunity do we have? We've entered a season. You're either for him or you're against him. Nothing in between works anymore. That you and I are called to be for him in such a way that we are no longer on our own. That we walk and we talk with him. We sing with him. We worship with him. His presence and his glory. And we come out of his presence with joy, with happiness, with love to be the testimony of Christ Jesus on this earth. I see again something I saw during worship. Sacrifice whatever is in your way right now. Just sacrifice it. Put it at the foot of the cross. Put it at the foot of the cross. Right now. Your pain, put it at the foot of the cross. Sickness, put it at the foot of the cross. Addictions, put them at the foot of the cross. Things you shouldn't be watching on the computer, put them at the foot of the cross right now. You can't even be a real man 
watching that stuff. Or a woman watching that stuff. Put it at the foot of the cross. I can see mud being smeared on some eyes right now to bring back to life the sight, the vision that God has for you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are risen, Lord and Savior. (laughs) The only one in all of history. That your tomb is empty because you are alive forevermore. I see some doors that are still closed in your house. Open them up presence of God. Open them up. Oh, you heavenly doors. Everlasting doors. You gates. Everlasting gates. I thank you, Father, that you are a good, good, good God. You are a Father that loves us unconditionally. You have a destiny and a purpose for every one of us to fly higher than we ever thought possible, to dream bigger than we ever thought reality would take us. But you are the God of the supernatural. You are the God of all things created. And I pray that we can encounter a deeper presence. Because that presence of you, Father, gives us hope, power, vision, destiny. Put your hands to the floor downstairs because I see a rumbling going on in children's ministry. It's like a rumbling that Paul and Silas were in (laughs) jail. It's like a rumbling of chains falling off in Jesus' name. It's a rumbling of your presence that'll shake these faithful ones, these little children. We suffer unto you, our little children. It means we we commit and give you, oh God, our little children. And we pray, Father, for strength to become the witness of testimony, to raise them in your presence and your glory. I thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for this day. I feel like we should go into worship and sing for the next five hours, order some pizza, and all hang out in the church. I just sense I I don't want it to end. I I don't want to close it down. At the same time, I just feel like no matter if this service is going or not, he never shuts down. 
So we must remember to never shut him down. Ever. 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 God has a resurrected purpose and plan for you guys. I see a shifting and a changing. I don't even know what it all is. But I know God has a plan and a purpose. And I know some of this might not be understood, but at the same time, we don't have to understand Him. He understands us. I pray a blessing over this family. I pray a blessing, work, business, whatever it is. We pray that blessing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. When you're worshiping with your son, I saw an angel of fire stand behind you. And I saw the, it was interesting, the heel of the sword tapping you on the head. And as the heel of the sword was tapping you, it was dropping wisdom, discernment, understanding. And as you reached your hand out and touched your sons that were in front of you, I saw fire transfer from heaven through the sword, through your head, through your body, through your hands, into your sons. Almighty man of God, we have opened a fresh season, says the Lord. Get ready, get ready, get ready, man and woman of God. Get ready. given to somebody and there's an application for you in it agree with it and receive it that's how it works you agree you agree say yes yes sake of the gospel. <laughs> Think of it. It'll lose your mind. We can't even live the gospel fully if we don't lose our mind. I just kind of like taking a computer and hitting format. Remember the old DOS prompts. Format. What's DOS? Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's okay. Speaking to a couple older people here. 
I want to prophesy over everyone. I actually feel I have words for every single person in this place. I can see them literally hanging in the spirit over every one of you. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to run to a prophet. You just have to run to God. Because you probably know the word already. You probably already know a word that needs to be given. Think about it right now. I guarantee you, you'll probably think of a word that needs to be given or that you want given to you right now. Receive it. Receive it. In Jesus' name. Lose your mind. Receive it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So we're going to prepare to leave this building. I can't say close. We're going to go get our children so the teachers and helpers all have a life too. We're going to have a prayer team up here. I would literally call everybody up for a prophetic word, but I actually am holding. That's why I'm hesitating. I'm holding because I truly believe we're entering a different season and I have to change how I would do it before. Just because sheep hunger what they had doesn't mean it's best for the sheep. When there's new food to eat, the shepherd's role is to not guide them to past old food, but to guide them and lead them to the fresher green pastures, deeper in his presence.